That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, here we are back at it. Uh, do you love your mom? Um, I do. I love my mom very much. I do too. And this is uh, going to be, yeah, but we're I do. not, we're not definitely not celebrating Mother's Day. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So this is, this <laughs> is for the uh, fourth Sunday of Easter, which is May 12th. And that's uh, Mother's Day. And there's always yeah, going to well, be uh, people coming to church on Mother's Day because their mom is making them. So, ha- so we're going to yeah. have to talk well, a little you know, bit about preaching those folks. I know it's a big deal in a lot of churches, but I, I, you know, and I love my mom, and after after church on Sunday, I'll take my wife out to brunch, and we'll have a good time. Um, but, well, actually, we won't, because we have a big barbecue afterwards on Mother's Day for St. George's Day. And so, um, I've shifted that around, and we celebrate St. George's Day on Mother's Day instead. And uh, people were, like, really upset at first, a handful of folks. They were like, how dare you? But the, here's, the, here's the, just think about this for a second, some pastoral sensitivity. For a lot of people, you're going to have women in their, your congregation who couldn't be mothers. You're going to have women in your congregation who may have lost a son or um, have a son who is a, or a daughter who's a total F up. Um, for a lot, you know what I mean? It comes with all sorts of baggage. And uh, so Mother's Day um, is not a historic day in the church because um, it can be a very isolating day for a lot of people. And so, um, and so for that, I avoid Mother's Day altogether, but that's just me. Um, and uh, not saying anybody else has to do it, but just kind of think about it. And so oh, I'll uh, there say you they go. have to do it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll go there, Jake. I think you're there in the that, middle of, yeah, whatever. So go ahead. This is one of those odd occasions where Jake is like being more like sensitive than I am. Uh, but I, I feel really strongly about not giving out flowers on Mother's Day. Some churches, you know, will hand a carnation to every woman who comes in the door. And um, it just, it's, it's, it's hard for a lot of people. It is hard. And, and we're not at the church. We're here to talk about our relationship to Jesus Christ, not yeah. primarily to talk about um, our family relationships or whatever. So so I don't do anything about Mother's Day, um, although I think it is appropriate as you're preaching to remember that it is Mother's Day. And what that does mean is that moms and grandmas will have been able to strong arm their extended family to come to church because moms have power, especially on Mother's Day. And they'll say, what do you want, mom? What do you want, grandma? Oh, it would make me so happy if everybody came to church with me this Sunday. And so you'll have a lot of people there that don't believe, you know, whatever. And so just to make sure you're especially sensitive to folks that know jack squat about the Bible, that don't really want to be there, that think just because you're standing in the pulpit, by definition, you're full of crap. So if you can um, uh, explode those stereotypes, if you can have some fun in the pulpit, if you can be real and down to earth and whatever, uh, you might be able to do some, some real work here. I think uh, I think you will absolutely. That's what I think so, about that. So let's let's jump in here. We've is, got uh, we've 
We got John this 21. This is also known as a Good Shepherd Sunday too, historically in the church. That's and right. So if you want to land, yeah, if you want to land on a on a church day, you can also talk about a Good Shepherd Sunday. And um, and so and all of this um, kind of the hymns will revolve around uh, you know uh, Jesus being the Good Shepherd, and uh, and that is one of the actual oldest images of Jesus as our Shepherd. And so um, and so we uh, move there and we begin with Acts chapter nine. Yeah, we got uh, a city called Joppa, which is a coastal city on the, it's now like, it's a very kind of artistic, creative sort of city, yeah. uh, has a lot of hippies there and stuff like that, and uh, um, and it's it's a cool place to go. Um, it's right on the Mediterranean, uh, I think like Napoleon's troops were there for a while, there's like a cannon that's from him left there, and, yeah. and right next to this big church, which is dedicated to Simon the Tanner, it's on the site of where this house is that we read about in this passage, so... Uh, you can go to Joppa. It's a place. These are not fairy tales. Uh, and But anyways, in this story, there's Tabitha, also named Dorcas. I love that people still name people Tabitha. I don't know why they don't name anybody Dorcas. That's just completely lost to me. Uh, maybe you readers or listeners can let us know why nobody chooses that it's, name. But it means gazelle yeah. or graceful. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> Jake's now getting that. He's, he's chuckling. <laughs> Maybe and she was devoted too. to good works and acts of charity. She was a uh, she was a really great person. She filled in her pledge card on time. That's and, right. Uh, on she, the altar guild, um, yeah, altar guild, and uh, was an usher from time to time. And this is an important thing to remember that the Book of Acts is also a, a record of the very earliest of the church, and so it is letting us know that from from the earliest days, this movement began to spread beyond just Jerusalem, but to the very ends of the earth. And so when we're meeting. Um, the number one, the chair of the altar guild here. So yep. that's who and then, she and they, was. And so she gets sick and dies, and they invite Peter to come be there. And maybe they think she's gonna come. He's gonna come to do a funeral, or you know, it's, they just say, "Please come without delay," because obviously they're gonna have to bury the body very, very soon. Um, and so he goes and goes upstairs, and everybody's grieving appropriately. Uh, again, Christians can grieve after the resurrection. It's totally all right. Um, but Peter goes into the room and very dramatically uh, raises her from the dead. And interestingly, he's sort of taken a page from Jesus here when he raises yeah. people from the dead and says, everybody get out. Like, this is not going to be some circus spectacle. We're not going to drop Easter eggs from a helicopter here. This is, um, oh, I did it. I did it. Uh, no, that's hey, cool if you did that. That's, that's totally praise fine. The Lord. I, the Lord can use that, totally. But anyways, yeah. so Peter wants to keep it on the DL, just like uh, Jesus did, because if it gets too crazy, it's going to get too crazy. So, um, and it's wonderful. She opens her eyes, sees Peter, and sits up, um, and she's alive. And, and this is this is used to bring people to faith in Christ. In, in verse 42, many believed in the Lord. Um, and uh, um, yeah. this, is, yeah. this is the point of the signs and wonders. It is not for the sake of signs and wonders in and of themselves. It is to demonstrate Peter's authority as an apostle and the truth of the message which he's proclaiming, which is that Jesus has risen from the dead for the forgiveness of sins. So this is a great miracle of the church by which we can proclaim and testify too to St. Peter's authority and to the authority of Jesus as well. And so um, this is um, this is a very powerful, um, powerful scene, but it's for the sake of confirming Peter's authority there. Yeah, and it's wonderful too, because last Sunday we saw Peter uh, who had deny Jesus gets reinstated. And it's it's mm. Peter on the beach, it's Peter fishing, it's Peter sort of at a low point, put back into ministry. And here we see this incredible transformation yeah. 
to somebody who's now raising the dead. And of course, that's yeah. the work of the Holy Spirit, which is in Pentecost, which we sort of skipped over because that's not coming for a few weeks. But, um, but I love that. This became known throughout Joppa and yep. many believed in the Lord. It wasn't this became known throughout Joppa and everybody was like getting gold fillings and really pumped. And, you know, but but so that many believed in the Lord. That is the yep. point. And meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. This also is an important thing because you see here beginning the break with Christ Christianity and Judaism. Because for uh, a devout Jew, a devout Jew, no one would have stayed with a tanner. Uh, because right. tanners dealt with animal skin and the uncleanness of the whole thing. And so we're beginning to realize that um, as a result of the inbreaking of the kingdom with the church, a new community which has been made clean by the death and resurrection, that we're not declaring anything unclean anymore. And so uh, Jesus is hanging out at the house of a tanner. Yeah, uh, which and there's a church right at that spot today. All right, so... Yeah. Uh, and by the way, that's that sets up for another famous thing uh, at that house of Simon the Tanner, where he's going to have this uh, vision. Which, uh, but we'll talk about that at another time. Yeah. All right. So moving on, we're, now we're in Revelation, as we are now in the season of Easter. Um, What's it called again? Around. Revelation. <laughs> Ain't no s on the Revelation. It's one Revelation, y'all. It's not multiple yeah. Revelations. It's just one. Nope. There's only one. There's only so one. Anyway. It's right up there with my pet peeves, Monday, Thursday. Come on, people. It's Monday. I don't see a A between the D and the Y. Don't add it in there. <laughs> These are one of some of the many services we provide. I'm I'm on a one-man crusade to yeah. save people from bad pronunciation. Okay, Revelation so chapter 7. So bad pronunciation and no Mother's Day. But anyway. That's right. We're, we're <laughs> yeah, building the church with one cranky comment at a time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Jake, uh, pull it together. Okay. Revelation 7, uh, huge multitude from every nation, all the tribes and peoples yes. there, the Lamb. We're back with the Lamb. Uh, these wonderful pictures of heaven and the worship that goes on and uh, all these elders and the uh, living creatures worshiping God. Um, and then the elder asks uh, the uh, St. John the Divine, uh, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? And... Um, and John takes that sort of I don't I don't know you you know you you know um, I'm overwhelmed is what he's actually saying <laughs> that's right that's right um, and these are the ones that have come through the great ordeal they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb so these people that have white robes they're not white robes because they're so great these are people who have been washed in the blood that's right so um, yeah they basically the um, I mean, everybody is coming and they are hailing this lamb once again. Uh, why? Because this lamb is uh, the one who sits on the throne. And uh, and so he is worthy of thanksgiving, honor, power, and might. And uh, you're absolutely right. They've come through this great idea, ordeal. And, uh, you know, if we look at this and they've been made, like, this is including everybody, people from every tribe, every nation. And they are there at this, like, great moment. Um and these are the ones who've come out of a great ordeal. And, you know, I think I'll never forget this. You know, so, so often this is talked about kind of as like kind of this great ordeal is the end. But if you remember what like John is doing, John is seeing these last days since the beginning. And so um, like ordeals aren't just kind of, you know, Nikolai Carpathia and the tribulation force. No, this, this hmm. is uh, your life is a tribulation right now. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, if you've ever sat, I'll never forget um, 
talking when we were in seminary. You remember we there used to be the Sudanese conference, and we hosted one of these uh, Sudanese pastors who, when he was a kid, was a lost boy, and yeah. he had seen literally his parents. I mean, this kid was like the same age as my son Henry, who's like nine. He saw, and he still was together. You know what I mean? I would have been a mental wreck. But when he was nine, he saw his parents killed, and then he had to walk across a desert to Kenya. And uh, I mean, this is like, this is it. And this is, but don't ever downplay that with your own ordeals. Mm. Uh, Life is long and it's hard from time to time. Mm -hmm. But they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And uh, this kind of is one of those actions that is the result of what Jesus has done. It's not, uh, you know, and, uh, and this is, you know, this is it. We all are facing ordeals. And we all, in the midst of it, cling to that to that blood, which has been uh, washed right over us. Yeah, there's a there's a BuzzFeed article that's out right now, a long article about Waco and kind of the transformation of Waco, thanks to the Magnolia and Fixer Upper phenomenon. And um, a, a lot of it talks about the influence of Christians in this community to turn it into a place where there are signs of flourishing. Uh, But the thing we have to be careful of is thinking that Christianity means everything gets fixed right now. And I would always want to caution against people thinking like the old Waco where there were, which, you know, in many ways still exists, you know, there's houses that are falling apart and people living in a lot of poverty and um, that that is a, that that means God isn't working. You know, there was a quote in this article uh, from some tourist in Waco saying, gosh, all the sign of restoration, that's because of God's faithfulness to all the people that have been praying here for so long. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Because um, we are, <laughs> we're people who can see God working in suffering. Uh, we're yeah. people who have Good Friday and Holy Saturday, not just Easter Sunday. And yep. so um, even if Chip and Jonah Gaines had never uh, done what they did here, and there was no re- visible restoration and 30,000 tourists a week buying shiplap-themed products, God is still active, present, and working in Waco. And I don't think people are, um, in the Christian community here would, would disagree with that. I, I hope that's not what they're saying, that restoration only looks like one thing. But certainly, in this thing, you these Christians who are getting in Revelation, that are getting before the throne of the Lamb, uh, their ordeal doesn't end until they die. They don't get, right. their, they don't get the, the, the fix. They don't get the happy ending um, while they're still on earth. Um, it says now that they're with the Lord, now they'll hunger no more, thirst no more, and the tears will be wiped away. That didn't happen before they got there. It happens now. So if you're in an ordeal and if you don't see the fix in your life, that's okay. Yeah. And actually that, that really, uh, gives us a great definition of ordeal. You know, ordeal is life. Um, that's, that's, you know, that's what you're facing every day. When you get out of bed, you're facing an ordeal. Um, um, maybe your ordeal begins with just get, getting your kids to school on time, you know what I mean? And still loving your wife at the end of that moment. Uh, the ordeal could be the traffic or what, whatever, it, you know, the ordeal could be like terrible, like pressure that you're under because of something that's happened, whatever it is. But that's the definition of the ordeal. And that's yeah. what you want. If you're going to preach on Revelation, especially with mothers in your congregation who know the suffering, children maybe who have a difficult relationship with their mother, emphasize that ordeals are not way out over there in a distant place. Ordeals aren't happening at the end of time. They happen right now. That's what life is. Yep. But that there is something good and glorious coming at the end. Um, and that is, and that's one of the reasons why this passage is read at funeral services. 
Yep. And some people kind of criticize, oh, like Christianity is just about this pie in the sky when you die. And I'm like, well, I hope so, because <laughs> yeah. life is brutal. Like, I hope this isn't the end. You know, there was a um, Give it to uh, me. there was a article in the New York Times. Nick Kristoff interviewed this Christian pastor who's a seminary professor who and he asked her and she's she's a person who is kind of in the she's very at, progressive. She's side at of Union Seminary. Never go there. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. And um, uh, <laughs> we are just pulling out all the stops today. How many uh, listeners will we lose? We'll talk to Dave. Check our subscriber none, list. None. We'll get uh, like but anyway, so he, Nick Kristoff asked her, who's someone who's kind of not a believer, but fascinated by Jesus, asked her what she thought about what happens when we die. And she said, I don't know, which is true. Nobody really knows for sure exactly what the chronology and how it works and who knows. But she just said, basically, you know, I don't know that an afterlife is that important. I don't know if anything really happens and what's only important is living now. And I was like, good Lord, save me. Because if all we get is this difficult, brutal, short, you know, as, as that old English uh, writer said, life is nasty, brutish, and short. Like, if this is all we got, man, I need something else. So please give me a great by and by. Tell me that there's some place, um, you know, over the other side of Jordan. And uh, and that's exactly what Revelation is giving us. And that is a Christian hope. And that is, I mean, gosh, while we're here, we get to go be with the Lord. And it's not lame. A lot of people reject the idea of heaven because they think it's lame because they read the family circus. And that's what they think heaven is, some cute place <laughs> where we walk on clouds and wear ropes. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's ridiculous. But anyways, yeah. Pie in the sky, but amen. Power, but this is a this is a powerful like, actually this is a powerful image, especially when you've ever been at a funeral, and yeah. not a funeral of like an eighty five year old person, but the funeral of a twenty seven year old man who had his entire life ahead of him, the amen. funeral of a family who's lost their children. Like yep. this is uh, this is. Um, this is uh, this is a vision that brings hope to like places like war torn Syria, mm-hmm. you know, uh, places places like the the desperate parts of Waco, Texas, and the desperate parts of New York City. That there is coming a time and there is coming a place, and it's sealed in Jesus's blood. This Lamb that was slain, where, dude, His throne is going to shelter people, and there, there's going to be no more hunger. There's going to be no more thirst. Um, you're not going to get sunburn, um, and. Uh, and, you know, and he's going to wipe away every tear from their eye. Gosh, I mean, I'm looking forward to that. And mm-hmm. uh, when all like the consummation of history will be ultimately redeemed. And um, and people who like talk about the pie in the sky, I don't think they've ever really been hit hard enough in the face by like suffering. Mm-hmm. Because this is this is good news. And this is one of the reasons why Christianity like spread like wildfire across the Roman world, because you had a population that was 85% slave. Um, yeah. and, uh, and when life is hard and you know it's wrong, you want to know that the God has made it right and is going to make things right. And ju- this is the vision. This is the revelation that God has given John. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that we don't care about this life. It doesn't mean that we unplug and check no. out. I mean, we do care. On we the contrary, strive. actually, exactly. this becomes the enabling word to uh, to bring about justice and to carry it out. But not because uh, love won in some sort of abstraction, but because love won because Jesus was literally raised from the dead. Um, yeah. I mean, we talked about that. I read that article too, and I'm just going to let that dog hunt because it really <laughs> upset me. And uh, I just, I think if you're a minister and you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, uh, you need to find a new job. Uh, get out of the way. And so anyway, there's that's a, all I'm going to say. A, yeah. The idea that the, it doesn't matter if the resurrection happened or not, it's a metaphor and it just means that love wins over death. 
if you don't believe it really happened, love didn't win. He's yeah. still dead. Death won. What are you talking and, about? Yeah. And these folks, these folks that did that in the first century were the ones that invented hospitals, that invented charity to the poor, that invented food distribution out of their own means, not some agency doing it or the government doing it. These are folks that believed not in a metaphor, but believed in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So, but we're, and, we're ranting. I, do you have still, another one? Yeah. Good. Oh yeah. Still today. Like, who do you think? Yeah. Like it's Christians. Like that guy who wrote the article, you were talking about it and you had that brilliant insight. Like, uh, what's his name from the New York Times? Yeah, Nick, Nick Christoph. Yeah, he's Great amazing because he, he travels he talks all over about, the world, meeting yeah, war torn, going to these war torn regions, dealing with refugees, women with fistulas, and uh, people that and he, and he he he's been astounded. All these places he goes, who is it that is there serving the least and the lost? It's people. It's Christians. And he says, all my kind of progressive journalist friends or whoever friends. Um, you know, these are enlightened uh, people who don't believe any of the myths of the former age. Um, but I don't see them doing the work. The ones who are doing the work are these Christian folks. Yeah. And, you know, kudos to Nick Kristoff for, na- for naming that and having the courage to say that. But yeah, people who, who believe in um, the love of God, the grace of God for sinners and for the least, the last, and the lost, and that there is a place where every tear will be wiped away and everything will be made right again, a new heaven, a new earth. That is, as you say, the empowering word to get out there and do this, because it's only when you be- when you realize that this isn't all there is, mm-hmm. that then you are free to give up earthly success and earthly trappings right. and all that sort of stuff to go to the slums of Manila and work among the people there. If you believe this life is all there is, then you're going to go be a hedge fund manager or whatever else mm-hmm. that look, you know, you're going to be on the you project, the building up of you and the climbing the ladder, hashtag seculosity. It's only when you've been freed and you realize that there's nothing you have to do and you will be with the Lord forever for eternity that you can be free to go and do these kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now we come to the short kind of uh, the rant is over, the victory's won. And uh, um, now we come to the uh, we come to this great uh, gospel from John that really I think ties in beautifully into Acts. So um, Jesus here it's in the winter in Jerusalem and uh, he's in the temple uh, in the portico of Solomon. All of these very exact places because this is, this is a witness testimony. But the Jews mm-hmm. gathered around him. And they said, "How long will you keep us in suspense?" Meaning like. I don't know how genuine this question is, but, uh, you know, if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And uh, quite frankly, he's been doing it, you know, and he says it. I've told you and you do not believe. And the works Mm -hmm. that I do in my father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. This is really good. So you begin to see once again, kind of tying it into the book of Acts. The works of Jesus are for the sake of confirming that he is the Messiah, that he is the son. It's not just because he's some random healer roaming in the desert, you know what I mean? Like some sage. He is, the works are for the sake of confirming that he is the Messiah. And he gives sight to the blind so they can see the gospel. The deaf hear the gospel. The lame walk to proclaim the gospel. The mute speak the gospel. It's all very specific to confirm so that um, wolves can be turned into sheep. Yep. And what's interesting here, uh, nice callback, by the way, to last week's episode. Uh, The thing that's going on here, um, they're asking Jesus to tell them who he is. 
uh, you know, prove it to me kind of, which has echoes a little bit of Jesus's temptation in the desert when he begins his ministry. Yep. But Ooh, what's good. interesting, yeah, I know, tying it all together. Um, I, I, I'm a highly trained uh, professional <laughs> Christian. Uh, wow, there, there is an underlining meta-narrative in the Bible? Anyway, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I know. So what's interesting here is that um, Jesus rightly says, look, I've told you, and you've seen my works. If you don't believe my works, there's nothing I can say that'll convince you because anybody can say, I'm the Messiah. There are people that did it before Jesus. There are people that say it today, but Jesus says, look at what I have done. uh, And because that, you know, and if you don't believe me, I can't help you. You don't belong to my sheep, obviously. Like there's nothing I can do to make you see if you don't see what I'm doing. And ultimately, of course, it's people that will see the death and resurrection. That's the sign, capital T, capital S. which, uh, which you know, this is what we're talking about in this whole season of Easter. But um, the the what Jesus does are things that testify to who he is. But even still, I love this in this kind of, Jesus has just said, look, if I tell you, you're still not going to believe. Nevertheless, at the end, he still says, look, and in case you need me to hear it again, the Father and I are one, which is a, which is 100% a claim of divinity. That's basically saying, yeah. uh, yes, you're right, I am the Messiah. Uh, this thing here about, um, uh, that I love in this passage is that, uh, if you are one of Jesus's sheep, uh, he has got your back forever and ever. No one can snatch them out of my hand. It's this beautiful picture of God abiding always. And that doesn't mean that life is always perfect. We've just talked about the ordeal of living, but, um, there's this picture of, of Jesus holding on to them forever. And this is, Jake, you and I know in our baptismal service in the Episcopal Church, after the baptism, the candidate for baptism, now the newly born-again Christian in those waters of baptism, we make the sign of the cross on the forehead with oil that has been blessed, and we say, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. And it's a way of making this uh, uh, true. That is a, that's like actually one of my favorite parts of the whole service, especially when it's with a baby and a little yeah. child, because that child has done nothing to uh, merit this. Um, it is just pure gift. And, uh, and this really becomes, um, this also ties into the, the 39 articles on the doctrine of predestination, you know, and the whole idea of rooting that in soteriology and the work yeah. of Jesus and his call. Uh, there's a great story of, um, you know, and it's it, this becomes a doctrine of sweet comfort. And what you begin to realize is that it's never been about you choosing Jesus and your faithfulness, but Jesus choosing you and his faithfulness to you, which will never, ever let you go. And you are mm. going to have people in your congregation, especially on Mother's Day, who are going to be feeling terrible about things they may have said to their mother or the lack of things they've said to their mother. And uh, what what this says is that, man, you know, you are forgiven and hear the voice of Jesus, which says, I'm not, nothing will snatch you out of my hands. That's right. And he, again, he makes his claim to be the father, essentially, because he says in verse 28, no one will snatch them out of my hand. And then also no one can snatch it out of the father's hand. So you're sort of yeah. almost seeing as like Jesus' hand and the father's hand are the same hand. Yeah, um, that's right. Then, of course, he, he underlines that the father and I are one. Mm, absolutely. So you are a sheep um, who has a shepherd and uh, hear his voice and his voice says to you, your sins are forgiven and, uh, and uh, nothing you can do to can, set, can, can change that. That's right. And so that, that wraps us up here for the uh, f- uh, uh, 
the, the, the rantiest episode ever. I know the, <laughs> the Good Shepherd Sunday, uh, the fourth Sunday of Easter, uh, also for Mother's Day. And our next couple episodes will be recorded live in New York at the Mockingbird Conference. So you can be, be looking uh, for those to drop next week. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, uh, we'll try to purge our system of any uh, further rants. Yeah. Uh, it's still the it's still right after Easter for us, so we're a little tired, a little grouchy. And, uh, but uh, it's all right. It's all right because we are sheep of the Good Shepherd and we will never Amen. be snatched out of his hand. So uh, thanks thinking, everybody yeah. for listening. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. What were you thinking? No, no, I'm yes. done. I'm done. Okay. Peace. All right. Lots of love. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> love y'all. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know, we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.